Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode 245. Glad you could join us. Uh, right now it's just me and Jay, but Livy will be joining us in like 10, 20 minutes, so she'll probably pick us up in the uh, the second half of the show. But we do have some some interesting topics, uh, a few uh, walking back some comments we made last week, but we'll get to that in a minute. But I want to start with some introductions with Jay. Tell us who you are. Well, my name is Jay. That is a true statement. And... Uh... I have no clear recollection of any comment that I may or may not have made under oath in a public setting that may or may not have been recorded potentially on this channel last week in regards to an unnamed co-host comments about a game called Apex Legends, but I'm sure we're going to address that in detail at some point later in the show. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. No, that, that, I'll be really curious to get your take on that because, um, because you and I gave that a spin, and it was it was it was very interesting, and not what I was expecting. So it'll be good to talk about. Um, and I am Punky Draven. I sound like I have a frog in my throat because like right before the show, I swallowed funny, so I've been kind of hot, you know, coughing up my lungs uh, while I, I let Jay fill the time. So that's why I sound kind of funny. But uh, yeah, I co-host the show here, and I do a lot of YouTube stuff with Livy. So uh, that being said. Interesting news that came out, but I, I can't say I'm I'm surprised because it's kind of I won't say hinting at it, but it it, it kind of fits what's been going on. So Activision Blizzard has had a kind of a kind of a rough year. Um, they lost uh, I don't know if lost is the best word, but they, they separated with Bungie and, and no longer have rights to publish the Destiny franchise, which is was pretty big news. And uh, Blizzard did not have a good event with their whole Diablo Immortal thing that was a we'll say a fiasco um <clears throat> but uh yeah so there is apparently in the rumor mill and it seems like this is it's just fairly uh fairly certain to happen because they haven't really come out and denied it but there are plans within Activision Blizzard to lay off apparently hundreds of employees uh this Tuesday which will probably be like the day the show comes out so yeah, that's uh, it's it makes you wonder. And my first thought was, what the hell is going on over at that company to cause all of this craziness to happen? I mean, you've you've heard news stories of horrible working conditions within Blizzard. Obviously, um, it was very strange that they dropped uh, Destiny. I mean, you'd think that that was a a pretty big thing they wanted to hang on to, and we don't really know the exact details of that. Activision is being hit with multiple lawsuits over that that dropping of Destiny because of class action lawsuits from investors, and then you had the the whole Diablo mess that did not go nearly as well as I think Blizzard thought it would, and it's just uh, like I said, what the hell is going on? It's, it's it's obviously there's some bad juju happening in that company right now, and I think I read a. Uh, I think I read a stat that it was like Activision Blizzard employs like almost 7,000 people worldwide for their stuff, um, which is huge. And if you have something, a mass layoff across the company, um, and supposedly Blizzard is included in that grouping, uh, though it's not, it's not uh, clear on where these people are being laid off from. But yeah, I, I don't know. Jay, what do, you, what do you think is going on over at this company? Uh... I think that there's a lot of people in suits walking around, smiling, telling everybody to stay calm. They've got it under control. 
there's going to be some restructuring. And I think behind some closed doors, there are people like Tony Montana in the like final 10 minutes of Scarface style, like taking handfuls of Coke and blowing it and then shredding documents left and right while they figure out how to zip up bags of fucking cash and get out of the door. Yeah. Am I, did that come <laughs> over as bitter? I didn't mean that to come over as bitter. No, no, not, not at all. I mean, yeah, I mean, Activision's a great company, right? Right? I mean, it's not like they just hired a new CFO and gave him a $15 million signing bonus or anything like that and then turned around like a week later and laid off 100 people, a couple hundred people. So that, that was actually brought up by, like, there's a, there's a pretty, there's a few pretty legit um, game industry reporters that have been kind of very quietly pointing that out that, like, hey, Activision here in the relatively recent past has had a domino series of bad bad things happening whilst there's been restructuring. And I mean that legitimately like, like restructuring or, or at least, um, uh, you, you know, some position moves at the top, the very top end of the corporation that are netting some big dollars. Um, this all kind of smacks as a, like this is, this could not go well, or there's, there's probably some, some rough things in the works. Um, so in terms of what it means for everybody that falls under the Activision rubric, I don't know, but I would be worried. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think Diablo is going anywhere soon, but if you're going to a mobile game and you're Diablo, it makes me wonder, is that purely because of the monetization you think you can get out of that game? That's, that's gotta be it. Um, Vice putting a lot of development into another Diablo iteration. Um, Blizzard, or correction, not Blizzard, we'll get to them in a little bit. Um, Bungie cutting loose, it makes you wonder, you know, what the, what made me, you know, there's probably some mutual, like it's time to leave, but, you know, there, there's some pretty smart people at Bungie, and it, they can't have, they had to have known that there's some, some rumblings, I guess. I don't know. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I think there's. I think there, that we're going to see some 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 things getting getting roughed up before this is all it, it's said and done. And I think Blizzard is going to be one, probably the most high profile. When you had a game like Blizzard, by anybody's measure, I mean, Pokey, please call me if you think I'm wrong on it. They're a pretty solid developer, like in terms of a studio that puts out quality product time in time out, polished, delivers more pretty much on target on time, and doesn't have a lot of misses. They would be in that relatively small category of developers that I would say do that. You know, like that is their 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 mo. So, if you're looking to go in there and harvest like personnel and resources by working them over, uh, I, I you got me. Uh, that 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 just doesn't sound like a good thing. Yeah, no, I mean you're totally right. I mean Blizzard is is uh, as a developer is usually really solid. I mean, they, they have a few, a few missteps in, in recent memory, but everyone does for the most part. Um, but usually they put out really good products. Um, but Activision Blizzard as a publisher is a shitty ass company. Um, I mean, just, just it is what it is. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're sitting on a golden goose, like, blizzard and you start kind of hashing out I mean, do, do you think that they're they're reaching for this the the asian markets with these mobile games and they're and they're realizing that in doing Maybe. so you're pissing off your your existing player base because i mean this has happened a couple times where they've companies have gone to mobile free-to-play whatever and it 
it, it has really backfired for existing customers. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, everybody kind of throws that up every time you say the word mobile and you say Asian market. I'm, I'm sure that there's some statistical analysis that, you know, that, that, that frames that out for you. But I, I think all I like, I have to, cause I, you know, look, I'm not in the game development industry or, or the publishing business. I, I like neither one of us are, we can only look at it from, you know, very interested third party observers that like that's our perspective basically. However, you know, we're, we're, you know, both two relatively intelligent guys. We've been around for a while, pretty educated. We're both in business. Um, you know, like not, you know, not named cop podcasting, like in our day jobs, we both like have a, you know, move around in the business world pretty well. And, and when I look at it from that angle, you know, just looking at purely at, if I were to look at any company that is not, not even really diversifying, but they're really shrinking down their product brands and they're moving things around in a way that we're, where they're attacking the strengths of their company or their subordinate sort of organizations uh, cannibalizing is probably not the right word, but they're definitely like, like shaving them down hard uh, to try to you know retain some level of profitability at least, or, or to save save costs. I, it makes me wonder. Like companies that are in good shape and doing well, they do not do that. Like the, like history of forever, companies that are that feel like they're kicking ass and are hitting their targets do not send the outward signifiers that that they have been doing, uh, you know, over the last, what, four months, five months? Well, it raises the question, you know, you said that they're, if they're hitting their targets and, and you have to ask, are the targets that Activision Blizzard is aiming for are just unreasonable? And then because they're, they're missing they're they're going in and slashing. I mean, there's obviously, you know, whenever you're, you're publicly traded, you're this scale, you've got a lot of expectations from your investors for profitability and, you know, in, in some cases, developers, particularly in the game industry, just don't necessarily work well in this, like, absolute bare minimum cost, maximize profits. I mean, you, you can, you, you might get a couple one-hit wonders and, and, and make it work. But, you know, I, I think in many cases, when you think of some of like, the great game developers out there, they take their time. You know, they, they take their time, they, they produce over a long period of time, and they, they put out a great game does that maximize profits? Not really because it took a long time to develop and time is, is money. Um, but I mean, we had reports several months back that, you know, things around blizzard, people were going through to all the departments and saying, Hey, got to cut costs, got to find ways to, to produce more and spend less and then, you know, do it faster. Um, and it feels like this is probably a result of, you know, what we were hearing about that. So, but, you know, I got to ask, you know, like how much do you want to bet over the water cooler in the last few days? There's a lot of people at a place like Blizzard going, wow, it'd be kind of cool to be Bungie right now. <laughs> They're probably thinking like, yeah, I mean, like we've talked about before. It's like Bungie is in is in kind of a scary but exciting place where it's like they've they've got a lot of room to fail, but they've also got a lot of room to, to go up. Um and, you know, if, if you were at Blizzard mired in the culture that you just described with, you know, cost cutting and, and a lot of this shit that's kind of been going on, you know, pretty much anything's going to look more appealing than that. Because, I mean, you're you're locked in fearing for your job every day and opposed to, hey, go work at Bungie and this thing might end in a, in a dumpster fire, but it could also be something really great. You know, 
it's got its appeal. Um, it's never a good working environment to be in fear of your job. And whenever you hear restructuring or cutting costs, you're going to be terrified. Um, and it's, yep. it's shitty for the developers. I mean, I've, I've, I've been there, you know, it's, it's awful. It's a horrible, horrible environment to work in. Um, and I feel for the people there. It sucks. No, I, I, I agree. I, I, I am definitely watching this kind of story. And, and when the Bungie split came out, you know, we were all like, Hey, you know, maybe you know Activision had been signaling that they weren't happy with uh, the profits from Forsaken. There were some issues, and um, when the split happened, it was seemed rel- relatively amicable. You know, uh, but make no mistake, I don't know that anybody can count pennies in the industry better than Activision. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that's a good thing as a consumer, by the way. I'm just saying that I that they have a history of. Uh, being very, very conscious where their bottom line is. So again, when you see like headsheds in the corporations getting golden parachutes and, and all of this happening at the same time, it just, and, I, and and for the record, like I wish, I do not wish ill on anybody involved in this. I, I, I just want to be real clear on that. Um, and it's, it's always really easy to say like, Hey, well, like, it, you know, Hey, if those CEOs and CFOs and stuff weren't getting like gazillion dollar bonuses, you know, maybe they could put some money in the game. I get that. And that's really, really easy to say until you start getting into those positions where that becomes an option. <laughs> um, that being said, I, I hope that this doesn't come apart at the seams like it sure looks like it's going to. One, there's going to be a lot of people out of, out of work. And I mean, like I'll, probably a lot of hardworking good devs, you know, like people that actually try to try to make games because they like making games or want to make games. Uh, you know, for guys like you and I to, to consume, you know, I, I hope I hope a lot of these people land on their feet. Um, so that that is that is one thing. And, and I'm sure that there are people at Activision proper that are, you know, good folks. And they're just like, hey, like I, I you know, I'm just trying to show up to work nine to five and do the best I can, you know. You don't want any, nobody wants any of these people, you're not wishing ill will or like secretly like watching the train wreck. Uh, well, we are kind of secretly watching a train wreck. Yeah, train wreck. yeah. That being said, um, I think that it would be kind of good uh, for, as a consumer, if EA and Activision, there's maybe one or two other ones, but EA, EA and Activision are probably the, the big headliners. If they like kind of, drifted apart a little bit, <laughs> had like a little bit of wake up call, uh, and then made some, there was put some oxygen back in the room for other people to operate. But that being said, that's a, that's a pretty big step though. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I mean, like I said, the good news is, is that if, if this thing does fall apart or at least, you know, it, it, at least for some people it will, the fact that you could say, Hey, I worked at blizzard is a really good way to, 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 slap that on the very top of your resume and you could probably find work pretty quick. I mean, it's, it's a respected name and, and people who are, are working there as developers are probably not going to have too much trouble finding work somewhere. Yeah. Hey, know? check this out. You know, if I was really smart, if, if I was, well, not smart, if I was more conniving and bastardly than I am probably now and I worked in the game industry, well, not even more, if I just was working in the game industry, I would fucking be all over tw- Twitter right now like going, you know, like at Blizzard, have 55 job openings here at Respawn to work on Apex Legends. Let me know if you're interested. You know, if I was Bungie, I'd be like at Blizzard. Hey, looking for some folks to help us look on, work on some future game IPs, maybe. Yo, 
Um, right. I, I would absolutely double down on that. Like 100%. Yeah, it's like, you know, hey, we can interview you like before Tuesday. <laughs> just just, just yeah. in case you're interested, you know, in case would, you're, you're looking like, to move. Can you imagine pulling uh, like an epic move? Like, you know, they, they tweet blast people. They're like, oh, yeah, no problem. You, you need some help. We're buying your company by two o'clock. They're like straight drop a Tony Stark on you. Um, and and they've, they've done that two or three times and like muscled some things around to the point where it made me wonder if they were just doing that just to see how hard they could flex their muscle. And they were like more of a test on themselves. Like, hey, how much space do we have in the market to do something? Um, but that'd be pretty bald. Like if, if, you know, if you had like, imagine like Epic, fucking, you know, Bungie and Respawn all like shot a big note. I was like, hey, all you Blizzard folks, if you need jobs, give us a holla. Like th- there would probably be a lot of people that, that would absolutely consider like, you know, I'm not saying I'm jumping ship. I'm just saying I ain't drowning with the rest of you bitches. <laughs> Seriously, though, I mean, especially in the gaming industry where you know that job security is not typical for most places you work. So if you see things start start sinking, I can imagine that it's it's you learn to, to see the signs and know when you bounce because it's going down and I'm not going to be the last one standing on the ship when it does, you know. So... Yeah, no, it's 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 curious. So yeah, we'll we'll see on Tuesday the extent of what's going on. You know, like I said, this isn't like a confirmed thing, but it's 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 out there, and Activision Blizzard has done nothing to deny it. So you know, it, it's probably most definitely going to happen. It's just a matter of how bad it's going to be. So we'll see see what the what the week looks like, and we'll we'll probably touch on this a bit more next uh, next week as well. Sounds good, brother. Okay, uh, two quick things. Um, don't want to dwell on too much. So Monster Hunter World has a new event. And it's the uh, Witcher crossover, which is pretty neat. Um, I think I think the first part of the Witcher content is a permanent fixture. It's not just an event. Um, so it's just going to be there all the time. You basically do uh, a special mission as... Okay, forgive me. Is it, is it Geralt? Is that how you pronounce it? Geralt or Geralt? Geralt, okay. Um, I'm sure there's I, some I got, Witcher man, fans I'm, screeching I'm, right now. Yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna get some emails. By the way, that would be uh, at OCD Trekkie. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I guess you you could play as him in Monster Hunter. I think it actually has a monster, a new monster from The Witcher um, that you can oh, you can cool. find. I think I, again, I haven't been playing Monster Hunter, so I, I haven't looked into it deeply, but this is kind of cool. Um, and then you can also craft the Witcher Silver Sword as a usable weapon. And then you get the full armor set, which basically allows you to look like Geralt, Geralt, whatever, um, whenever you want, which is kind of cool. And then on February 15th, there's going to be another event mission, which basically is an upgraded version of that same monster. And it allows you to upgrade that weapon to uh, a rarity 8, which is the top rarity. And you should be able to also craft a armor set to make yourself look like Ciri. So... Uh, keep an eye out on that stuff if you're playing Monster Hunter. Um, I'm not sure if I'll jump on it because it's a lot of investment to kind of get back into it. But you know, with their yeah, second, it's a big investment into into that game. Yes, it's a it's a mentally taxed. No, it's it's uh, it's good. But you know, a lot of these events will come back on the seasonal. They're every there's like four major seasonal events that they do, and whenever those events pop up, like all of the previous events they've done are available. So if you miss it, it's not that big of a deal. You wait a couple months and you can get it again. Um, so I'm gonna 
I'm kind of holding off on this game and letting kind of some of this event stuff build up. And then when the big expansion uh, drops in fall this year, I'm probably going to get back into the game kind of hardcore and, and do the expansion, do all the events. But uh, yeah, they, they've got some cool stuff. Like I said, these, these crossovers are, are a staple for Monster Hunter, but it's cool to see, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of crazier ones kind of getting in there and, and they continue to, to bring in cool stuff like Final Fantasy XIV and The Witcher and, and stuff like that. So good on Capcom. They're doing well for uh, Monster Hunter World. And the other quick thing that I had to mention that I'm a little late on this, but so there's a game called The Tetris Effect, which uh, came out and you can play it on. It's on PS4. Um, it's it's really made for VR, but you don't have to play it with VR. And it's meant to be very much like a, I won't say like psychedelic mind trip. But it's meant to kind of just like a, a really good chill out game where it's lights and colors and, and trance music and that sort of thing. Um, I haven't picked it up, even though I'm really interested in it, because it's normally $40, which is just a little too steep for for Tetris. Um, But there is a free trial demo that's currently going, and you can download it um, through the 12th, so tomorrow as the day of this recording. So I'll probably grab that tonight, um, give it a whirl, and kind of give my thoughts on it next week. But uh, yeah, if you've been itching to try but didn't really want to pay full price for it, you you can actually jump on it right now on PSN and give it a go, so it should be good. Yeah, now hey, one quick thing on Monster Hunter. Like I, I joke about it, because um, the running the running gag is like you know I got I got pulled into that game uh, a little bit by by Pokey, and, and you know I, I joke with him because it just really is not my cup of tea. Like I played it for a while and, and it's okay. It's I 100% see the appeal of the game though. I, I absolutely can see the appeal of the game. It's just like not a setting or a style that I dig, which is interesting. Interesting because I'm super interested in Anthem. Uh, which has a probably a, a much more comparable set of mechanics to something like, or at least you know, gameplay loop that Monster Hunter has versus something like Destiny. But uh, maybe it's just the, the sci-fi versus the fantasy setting. I, I don't know. Uh, but what they do really well that I do like a lot, they have a very very deep system of you know building the armors that you want and really going after that real true RPG style customization, but their ability to bring in um, like cross promotional activities is, is really strong they, and they do a great job of it too. They, they bring in really, really cool stuff. Um, they've had two, I think two or three games now that where they've brought in key characters or, um, you, you know, accoutrement from the, uh, from those games. Like they had the horizon zero dawn armor uh, you got Witcher. I think I had, thought they had another one. I thought I want to go out on a limb. It was, it was it wasn't Devil May Cry that? Yeah, it was. They did, it was they did, okay. Yeah, yeah. So they they've done a really good job of bringing in those other type of activities, uh, and and they're definitely known for that. They do it well. So I mean, hats off to them. Like I said, it's just just because you don't like a game doesn't mean it's not a good game. Just FYI, that's that's something a lot of people. Uh, Tend to tend to forget when you get into the Twitterverse or the uh, or the comments on a on a uh, review, but um, I can appreciate that game. Like I said, it's just not for me. But I like a lot of the things they do in that game. This is a great example of bringing in a beloved sort of hero or, or character rather uh, called Geralt from uh, Witcher. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely not for everyone, but they they do have a lot of really good stuff that they do, and uh, you know I I, I got to appreciate from a design perspective, so it's it's good. Um. So, uh, this is the part where uh, like I kind of let Jay talk, and he gets to say 
his favorite thing, which was, I was wrong about a particular thing. So Jay, tell us about Apex Legends and your thoughts on it. So as I reviewed the videotape of the aforementioned show, I would like to point out clearly uh, for the audience slash jury that at no point in time did I say I thought Apex Legends was going to be bad. I would like to make that very clear. Uh, so what I believe I said in recap was that this is a game it didn't sound like anybody was asking for and that I don't know that I'm that interested or I don't think I'm interested because it doesn't have Titans in it and I wanted Titanfall 3. That I was disappointed I was not getting Titanfall 3. Titanfall 2, still no shit. Maybe clearly one of the top three single-player campaigns I've, I've personally that from the story and gameplay mechanic that I've ever experienced, like hands down. Been gaming for a long time, probably more longer than most, most of our listeners have been alive. No shit, that's the truth. However, I did not have an appreciation for how fucking amazeballs Apex Legends was going to be. So I would like to make clear that in no point was Jay... Not right, because we don't play the W. <laughs> but I, I had an uninformed point of view as to the quality and uh, uh, the, the, the potential that was in Apex Legends. That's all you're getting from me. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. So... <laughs> so I'll let you I'll let you go with with kind of the review um, first because I've I think you like it more than I do so we'll we'll give it kind of both sides I I think it's I think it's a well made game but I kind of want to get your thoughts on it first since I think you're you're definitely feeling it more than I was yeah okay and and all joking aside so remember what I said a little earlier guys about um, just because you don't like a game doesn't mean it's not a good game it's maybe not a good game for you uh, so that you know. Your mileage may vary. Let me put it that way. So Apex Legends uh, put out by Respawn. I I need to, like, there's a lot to unpack here. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is kind of the game itself. And then, you know, let's talk about the the Ninja Marketing campaign, a.k.a. the no marketing campaign they did and the effects that that had on on kind of the gameplay space. So uh, Respawn, obviously responsible for, for quite a few things, you know, Titanfall, the Titanfall series being the uh, probably the thing that most people will connect them with, but really the core guys at the core kind of leads at respawn have been around. They were the guys that put modern warfare together. They were the guys that did a lot of like a lot of powerhouse, like groundbreaking shooters over the years. And they have a history of in fact, that's how they got the name. They, they kept, these guys were, uh, they would split away from the companies when they didn't like the way the companies were going reform a new studio, join a new studio, and make another groundbreaking piece of game content. And so they kind of just, they just as a, as a goof, sort of renamed their, their, they named their next studio Respawn a few years ago and kind of flash forward. So Titanfall 2 comes out, killer game. Like, really, really good game. Um, like, again, I cannot say enough about the single-player campaign in that game. If, if, like, that was worth the price of admission alone uh, from a a gunplay movement kind of option. It was as good as anything I've seen to date in first-person shooters. Like, and I and I say that unequivocally, hands down. Titanfall 2, the minute-to-minute gunplay and movement 
was as good as anything I've seen. I'm not saying people that, 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 you know, that they're the best. All I'm saying is I haven't seen better. I think there's people on par with them, just in different categories or kind of as a holistic look. And they would transition very seamlessly in the gameplay, in and around, uh, very, very fluid, uh, you know, individual combat to bringing in mechs. And their ability to balance all of that was exceptional. So let's talk. We'll get when we get into the no marking campaign part. We'll talk a little bit more about like how did they go from Titanfall to, to Apex? Just breaking down the game. It's battle royale. No shit. Um, so all the things you think about a battle royale are probably in it. You know, you, there's a, there's a big map. You fly over the big map. You jump out. You land on a spot on the ground. You forge for weapons and gear, and then you try to see who's the last person or last team standing. Right? Not not groundbreaking there. Okay, let's talk about the the visuals of the game and then kind of the mechanics and so forth. So from a, a technical standpoint, visually, it, it's a really really super polished game. Uh, it's definitely more in the in the Titanfall style in terms of its an, it's how it's animated. And sort of the visual style. It's an updated version of Titanfall 2 visually. It is in the Titanfall 2 universe. I want to say it's, I think it's like 20 years in the future from Titanfall 2, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there's a lot of throwbacks in terms of like the guns themselves, some of the assets, the style of dress, and again, just the animation style. The characters are, are definitely living and breathing. Uh, so visually, really, really sharp game. Not a lot of flaws in that in that regard. Clean, uh, clean animations, really, really good. Very little janky stuff. I haven't seen a lot of janky stuff at all in terms of in-game activities. Uh, the shooting is super crisp, very good gameplay. Again, from the guys that really you know, mapped a lot of the, the way ahead in first-person shooters, in modern first-person shooters, it's what you would expect. The movement is really good. It's, it's exceptionally good, um, you know, particularly on the type of terrain. Uh, that they put out. We'll talk a little bit more about movement in a second, but just how the game looks, it's really solid. Uh, sound, really good. Everything's got unique sound in terms of uh, all the weapon systems, good 3D sound systems in it. So you've got a battle royale, battle royale game, very polished from an audio and visual standpoint. If anything, I would say some of the, some of the characters are, are almost, it can be too colorful because of how they, how it's hard for, you know, hard to see them as they blend into some of these more urban and kind of crazy environments you get them into. Not necessarily a bad thing, just kind of interesting. Gun skins, you, you know, they do all the full monetization drill with skins for like weapons and, and characters. Uh, some of them, you know, they're not great. Some of them are pretty solid, but I think that's one you're going to see them iterate on a lot. Okay, now what is different about this game? Well, the best way I can describe this is if you took Overwatch, Fortnite, uh, or, or probably COD Blackout and Titanfall, and you kind of melded them together in a very, very organic and smart way that gives you an idea of what you got on your hands. Battle Royale, but it's a hero-based game. So think over, very much think Overwatch in terms of how the flow of the characters work. You got eight different heroes or legends, as they're called. They've got a passive ability that, that's unique to them. They have a tactical ability on a very, very fast refresh that is unique to them. And they have an ultimate on a long refresh 
that is, again, unique. And they all theme very well together. Like those three things work really, all the characters are very useful. Um, they're all viable and they all can drive some different play styles and different abilities. Um, and you can synergize them in really, really different ways, utilizing all of the different characters. Like there's very few combinations that just suck. Uh, in fact, I don't know that I've found one yet. Uh, and, and I don't know that there's also some that are true meta, you know, like, like super meta characters that are driving everybody to only use those. Uh, so that's a very blizzard thing in terms of how they approached it from a hero standpoint and how they balanced the heroes. Really great idea. Uh, again, when you get on the ground, you're looking for your weapons. All the weapons are balanced or, or even Steven balanced. Um, they do mildly different things based on the tier from like, you know, white, blue, purple, gold. They're not that much different, frankly. What's really is diff- what's really different is the attachments that you find and put on the weapons, a la cod almost. Uh, and those make a huge difference. Those actually make a bigger difference than, than just about anything else. Um, so if you have a, you know, relatively common rifle, but you've got like some purple mods on it, it's probably pretty baller. It's probably very useful to you. Um, the armor and other survivability aspects that gets, that actually scales up much, much better in terms of the, the, the loot style. So you can wear armor, you can get different personal attachments, thrown weapons, all the things you'd normally have in a first person shooter. You can, you can accrue on the ground, um, up to the gold level, which is get, gives you basically the same level of like, either buffer or damage output or functional additions to the purple, but you get a really specific, uh, almost like a Destiny Exotic style perk on it. Um, but pretty good idea. Pretty good idea. Um, so from that aspect, a lot of weapons are viable. All the characters are viable. Uh, and they, they do drive different play styles, mind you, uh, but very Blizzard-esque in its way of approaching things. So let me kind of trace this down. Free-to-play game, Battle Royale, very similar to Fortnite Squads, um, but it's a hero-based game, a la Blizzard. Uh, all the weapons are very, very balanced, uh, yet you know, it's really an attachment-driven game, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of components and mix and matching that you can do to get different, uh, different effects out of your weapons, very COD-style. Uh, so you start to see the picture that's developing. Uh, it is squad-based, a three-person squad, which I find to be really, really good. I've not seen this option in a lot of other games, but this works exceptionally well because it drives teamwork because there's so few of you, you really get a maximum benefit out of working together. You, you, it's, not, it's not a big, un, ungainly number of people roaming around. And you it really kind of drives a very, very simple, like, you know, somebody's a base of fire and then two other people flank or vice versa. It, it just really drives really simple, fluid combat. So that's kind of your dynamics that you have going on. Um, now, where I would say those are all good. I mean, they've melded those different sort of game aspects. Good. And oh, by the way, one of the coolest fucking things is when you shoot somebody, they don't turn into a goddamn eight story building like in Fortnite. I don't know if you've noticed that, but they bleed fucking wood and brick in Fortnite. That's true. That's true. So, in this game, it's again your your standard game. You shoot them up, get points, get down to the end. Now, where I would say this game is legitimately 
you know, and I'm going to use the, the G word groundbreaking is in how it absorbs the player into the game through the UI. This like the UI and how it feeds the player information and how he can feed information to his team and back and forth is as good as I have ever seen, probably the best I have seen in any kind of team-based game. To the point where I think a lot of other games need to look at what they've what they've done with this and start immediately telling their UI people and their uh, their co-op kind of SMEs to start figuring out how to like just straight rip that shit off. Um, that's that's my personal opinion on it, and it definitely differs from a lot of battle royale and PvP centric games in this way. Um, so let me kind of just, I'll start literally from the top of the screen to the bottom. The bezel at the top, you know, your, uh, your compass bezel. The simple addition of degrees, like I've seen a few games that will occasionally do this, usually just see north, south, east, west with some tick marks in it, but actual numbered bezels where you can say, instead of going to the left or to the right, you can give a number is great. Absolutely phenomenal when you're trying to walk people onto stuff. Uh, as you drop down um, the, into the cursor, and this is where I'll talk about the ping system, that ping system, the AI that is operating the ping system, and the cues that the player characters give you is phenomenal. So by, by hitting on, on PS, PS4, I'm not sure what the command would be like on console or uh, Xbox or, uh, or PC, but like on, you hit your top right bumper um, and you ping something. It is a contextual ping that says this is a location we're going to go to from a, a waypoint standpoint. Here's a piece of gear. Uh, here's an enemy. Hey, you follow me. And then you can hold it and you can trigger a wild different, you know, like a radio wheel of a lot of different other options. But it's a very, very smart contextual ping. Not only do you, so when you ping something, not only does it mark it on your map and then feeds it to everybody else's map, it marks it on your bezel. Uh, and the player characters, not the players like the individual human beings, but the player characters give you audio cues of, hey, I found a Mozambique shotgun level one over here if you need it. Uh, and then you can vector over to it, grab it, and it'll give you the automatic option on the screen, hit hit down arrow to thank you. You know, it, you can take care of 75% of your communication just on the ping system that it has set up inside the game alone, which is phenomenal. It makes playing with randos uh, 100% viable. Like 100, 100% viable, you can have a good match with randoms. Uh, that Whether they're on comms or not, by the way. That is different. That's 100% uniquely different in terms of how they're approaching this game. Uh, so that alone is just killer good. Um, I can't say say enough about that. Now, and again, the player characters, the, the game is very smart. The player characters will continue to give you information about what's happening in the game around you. I, again, in a contextual way, that, and they, you know, it adds a lot of flavor to the game. Uh, and a lot of people don't pay attention to it because they usually have that sound down, and they're really just talking to their buddies on chat, right? But if you're if you're soloing, or if you you can listen to kind of two voices at the same time, you're like your buddies and your character. You'll pick up, pick up a lot about the game, like a lot, lot about the game. Um, so as I kind of drift down um, in the UI, you, you just it's a really, really smartly done system. The whole UI as it weaves together is, again, really, really good at transmitting information 
and communicating a lot of things to other people. Uh, so much to the point. So, for example, I, I'm going to let out a little bit of my day job secret here. Uh, I uh, one of the things I do is I design um, systems for uh, you military vehicles, basically, um, and robotic vehicles, particularly here locally. The ping system that I see in this game is something that I literally wouldn't talk to engineers about uh, today on how do we incorporate systems like this into what we're doing in terms of how you interface human beings into a, a military platform, so to speak. It's that good. Uh, so that just kind of gives you a, a hint in terms of like, you know, how impactful some of these things can be. Uh, you can also, by the way, in the ping system, you can go into your own inventory and you can mark things that you don't have. You can like indicate, hey, I need body armor. And it will basically put a demand signal throughout your AI for your team. And it will prioritize highlighting AI or uh, survivability actions like helmets and armor that you find for everybody else. Pretty, pretty baller. Um, one of the other unique mechanics in here that is very different than pretty much any other BR game, uh, and even Overwatch, for example. It's a respawn mechanic. And it's one of those where, like, I love the comment. They're like, and there's a respawn mechanic, dot, 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 you know, because we're respawn. I thought that was hilarious. Um, you basically, when your teammate goes down, you move up to their box. There's like a little loot box on the ground that's got their visual image on it, their picture uh, of their character, and you can pull their tag off of it, their game, you know, like their, their character tag off, and then anybody in your squad can move to one of the respawn points that are dotted throughout the map and then basically call a dropship in and respawn your player. So it behooves you to keep to stay in the game as opposed to just dropping out and going straight to lobby like you would in any other uh, PvP-style BR game. This encourages you to stay and actively participate and ghost your teammate and, 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 and be part of the game even after you get you get taken out because there's a chance you can get back in. And it's done really well. It's a really smart way of doing it. It's not instant. It takes a little bit of work, and it incentivizes that team play activity. And you get XP for it. You get points for it. Okay. Uh, from a monetization standpoint, I would say it is 100% following the Overwatch model. I mean, it conceptually, like, they definitely lifted a lot out of Overwatch and, and you know, COD Blackout, Titanfall. I mean, it's a great amalgam of other games in a really good way. So the, you know, kind of similar to Fortnite and definitely Overwatch, no pay to win stuff. It's all skins uh, for weapons and characters. They're okay. Uh, they could definitely be better. I think they, they could work on that a little bit and they could you know, end up pumping this up a little bit because it's a free to play game. They're going to need to get money that way. Works out pretty well. By the way, you can in fact earn currencies in game. Uh, and if you're good, you will earn them much faster but you can 100% conceivably do pretty well leveling up and getting loot boxes at each level a la over, or, uh, over, Overwatch. Um, in addition to that, getting crafting materials and whatnots and in-game currency to unlock you know, really specific things that you want. So in that aspect, I think they're, I think they're on, on track. Um, gameplay, just generally, let me be very clear. I don't, I don't really care for Battle Royale games at all. Just as a rule, I just it's not my thing. This is the first battle royale game where I actively enjoy playing it and want to keep playing it, and probably will keep playing it off and on. 
100%. I don't know if it's the, the, the style, the world, combination of all these mechanics. I think it's a very holistic activity for me. It's not, there's not one thing I could point my finger to to say it's that good. I'd say just the entire experience of Apex Legends. This is a Battle Royale game that I will play. I've, I've played PUBG, a little bit of COD, definitely had, you know, my son drags me into Fortnite repeatedly. Uh, I, I will, I can 100% see myself going back to this game over and over and over while I'm waiting on other things to do in other games or just because I want to get my PvP on. Just 100%. Overall, high polished game, high re- replayability, but you got to like Battle Royale games or you got to be hooked by the, the, concept of what's going on at, at a, as a whole in this game. Uh, it, like I said, it may not still be for you, but if you, if you don't dig Battle Royale and you want to take a shot at something you'll like, this might be one that hooks you in. If you like Battle Royale, this is definitely probably going to be one that hooks you in. Uh, some people are like, hey, I'd really like a solo queue. I get it, but I, I even the Respawn guys kind of address that. They're like, yeah, we acknowledge that, but there's a very specific feel we're going for in the game, and this the, you know, the three-person squad kind of drives to that. I totally understand that now after hearing him and then playing it. So overall, this is pretty. I, I'd give this a pretty high mark. Pretty high mark. Uh, you know, in terms of a game, just general game, in terms of how it hit. Before we kind of get into sort of the some of the other like business components and the, kind of their marketing strategy and other things, Pokey, what, what did you and Livy kind of think about Apex as you kind of got into it? Okay, so um, I hate Battle Royale with a living passion. Um, like, usually I load a Battle Royale game, someone gets me to try it out, I play, like, three rounds, and I go, well, that was awful, and I never go back to it again. Um, so everything you said, Jay, was was totally accurate. Um, I, I, I won't contest any of that. I wouldn't say this game has made me like Battle Royale, and it's not the kind of game I would want to play a lot of but you know logging in doing like an hour hour and a half two hours of play and then going on to something else and i can see myself playing it you know it, it's got a lot of good stuff going for it um the respawn mechanic is nice it feels like i'm not screwed the second someone spots me because i die instantly and that's the end of it um uh, the class-based stuff is really cool. I like that, like theory crafting behind it. It's, it's not like each individual character really isn't customizable, but squad composition, I can see there being a lot of really cool crossplay there, especially with how varied their each of their abilities are. It's um, I, there's a lot of potential there, and of course, it's it's got that like super smooth, crisp um, respawn touch. You know, it's certainly not like titanfall levels of moving and zipping but that probably wouldn't feel too great for this kind of game but um for a more grounded game by the creators of titanfall they they certainly did not disappoint in how the moment-to-moment gunplay feels um there's a bit of a learning curve i think and that's probably due to my lack of experience with battle royale but I, i was kind of struggling with managing my inventory but you know i see other people do the same thing in other battle royale games and they're very quick at it so i think that's more on me and not a fault of the game um but yeah no like i said everything that jay said was was true um i have an extreme bias against this particular genre but i could stomach and enjoy playing this game in short bursts which is saying a lot considering how much i I typically hate battle royale so it's it's a very well constructed game. It's the genre is for the most part not for me, but this branches enough into, or rather I say it branches away from 
some of the parts of Battle Royale that I really dislike, and it makes it actually a little enjoyable, you know. Um, so I, I thought it was a good game. Um, like I said, I'll probably play it maybe a little bit here and there. It's kind of how I felt about, like, Paladins. Paladins was... I, I, I really like that game. I like the game more than this than, than this one, but it the, the MOBA's kind of more my jam. But it's not the kind of game I want to play for, like, four hours straight. But, you know, you pick up, like, three or four matches, and then you go do something else. It works really well for that. That's kind of where this... This game is for me, so you know. Yeah. It's, it's I would say likewise, though. I think I need a little bit more time with it because I had, I had the uh, connection issues with it. I don't know what was going on, but I kept getting like booted out. But you know, the ten minutes that I did play uh, this weekend, it. I know I never. <laughs> I'm like I, I never played battle rail games, so I have absolutely no. Um, I can't say I hate it. Can't say I like it. But you know, I think I need to play more to actually. Uh, care more, have an opinion. Yeah, and I'm kind of in the same spot with that. Just, you know, I, I need to play it more. Maybe my opinion will increase further on it. I, I don't think it's going to make me want to play it all the time, regardless of how good it is. But, you know, like I said, I, I went into it very pessimistic. The first few rounds were horrible. Um, and then I grouped up with, with Jay and Livy and, and did a few rounds. And I was like, okay, okay, I can see I can see the potential here. And it, I, it's worth giving it a shot, even if you hate Battle Royale. So, uh, yeah. Jay, what'd you think of the their, their marketing ploy, which I thought was really like genius. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was just kind of this like salty, yeah, whatever. But now it's like actually, it's it's actually pretty pretty smart because they read the market really well. Yeah. So their marketing campaign was basically not having one. When I see me, when I mean basically, I mean they didn't fucking have one. Um, so th- here's how they basically did this. I think it was on Monday. Uh, last like this last Monday or whatever they they basically came or yeah when the fuck this thing come out Tuesday last Tuesday uh sounds about right so they had a lot a 15 minute live stream and said and the game's available now please download and enjoy it. let us know what you think so they did like a little 15 minute unveiling here's a little video and they talked a little bit about it and they're like yeah we're super glad to bring this and we know it's not Titanfall three but here you go. And the game's available right now. Please go to this link at Steam. Go to this link at the PlayStation Store. Boo, 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 boo. People immediately start downloading it. Holy, holy shit. Um, I would say the general theme that people were coming out with was legitimately probably closer to what I said last week. It's not a game anybody asked for. We really want a Titanfall 3 because, frankly, like a lot of people felt that Titanfall 2 definitely got short shrift uh, from EA on how it was released. Phenomenally rated game and reviewed game, both by user and critic alike, but sandwiched in between like every major fucking release that you could imagine when it came out and it got crushed. Um, if it had come out in a cleaner space, it definitely would have, in my personal opinion, I think it would have done dramatically better. Or, or if EA had maybe gotten behind it, behind it. And in fact, it was kind of interesting. So one of the, one of the leads at Respawn, uh, I think it was Vince, the, uh, when Titanfall 2 came out and it was clear that it was, you know, the sales were just not there. It was, this is pretty, pretty clean after the, uh, or pretty close after the, uh, the release. There was a, uh, a, a moment in a, uh, in an interview, he's got an EA marketing guy in there with him. He's like, yeah, well, what do you guys think uh, about like kind of the future Titanfall based on, you know, kind of the sales and how things are going. He's like, it's a great game, but it's, you know, it's not going anywhere. 
he, he basically said, well, you know, hey, we got we to gotta see what we, we can do with this. It just sometimes it's happened. The EA guy jumps in and says, hey, we are very committed to the Titanfall, uh, you know, like the, the Titanfall game series and, and sort of you know, PR speak for nothing, all's well, nothing wrong. The, this the one of the founders of Freespawn turns turns around to the interviewer live and says, "Yeah, whatever the fuck that meant," and that was his response. So that kind of gives you a vibe for how this was going. So what they basically says, like, "Look, we know that we are published by EA, and all that comes with that. We know we're going to have a free to play game with loot boxes. We know what's going on with that. Uh, in terms, just a la Star Wars, Star Wars Battlefront." Or anything else EA has laid a glove on, by the way, in the last couple of years. So they understood that EA, loot boxes, free-to-play, not Titanfall 3, they, they would not be able to control the narrative for their own game. So they elected to, go dark, elected to go dark and literally run this game all the way. People just assumed they were kind of working on another Titanfall activity or something in the Titanfall world. They kind of made vague allusions to that. Uh, which is not a lie, by the way. It is in the Titanfall universe. Uh, there's just no mechs involved in this. A- and they were obviously working on a Star Wars game at the behest of EA, which a lot of people were like, that could be the fucking kiss of death because you know, based on EA's track record with Star Wars. But this was a game, reportedly, they decided they wanted to make and that EA had absolutely nothing to do with the internals of this game, 100%, uh, that they lobbied to make the game. And it very clearly shows that this is the difference when a game studio, when a major league game studio puts its mind to something and steps up and takes one hell of a cut at a vision that they have internally and they want to put it on the table and say the best marketing is to put this on the table and let players play it and talk about it, which is exactly what they did. I would reference you Bethesda and what they did with Fallout. Two wildly, two 180 different, 80 degree different activities that, that, that went on with this. Um, Respawn killed this. Now, what they also did was really, really smart. About a week prior, they brought out a lot of power-hitting content creators like Twitch guys and YouTubers. Uh, you know, A lot of your usual suspects that you see in the Destiny universe that are drifting into Anthem. Uh, a couple Fortnite kind of focused players, but they really kind of went after uh, they kind of targeted who they were bringing out, you know, in terms of the, like the, the content creators. Again, in the games that I tend to play a lot, you see a lot of the same content creators because it, it's, that, it's that niche market, you know, Division, Destiny, Anthem, a uh, little bit of COD here and there, uh, not so much Fortnite, but they went after a specific kind of um, aspect of content creators, brought them out about a week, and then played the hell out of them with with apex uh they really got after him said look we want to bring you on board on this sponsor you as content creators for the game and we can talk a little bit about what does it mean to be a content creator when now game companies have figured out exactly how much these dudes can move me move needles right so the, the interesting thing is they actually got them invested in the game like a lot of these like not all of them certainly not there's a lot of them out there that are you know have the normal scruples of anybody that will take money from from a company and then shill for its product, you know, AKA advertising. I get all that, but they also reached out to some people that were like, I'm fairly confident you have to throw like straight cat buckets cash at them. And I don't think they were doing that. Um, 
if you like the game, they're going to tell you they like the game, and they're going to they're going to go for it because their audience will suffer if the game is bad and they shill for it, which is an interesting thing. Um, and they timed their release so it goes out, and all these content creators get on and immediately start streaming it. They had ten million, ten million uh, distinct users in the first week of Apex Legends. That is amazing. Like you don't get that anywhere else, and that game is on fire right now. Uh, and then obviously EA f- figured out like, holy shit balls, this thing worked. We need to figure out what we got to do to double down on it. So they start throwing EA game changer money at it left and right. Apparently, uh, so you're probably going to see a lot more sponsored content for it. Uh, so that tells me a couple things. One, Respawn absolutely knew how to read the market, and they had. And two, they were stone cold lead pipe confident about their ability to make a product that people were going to enjoy that that's that's baller right there that is absolutely fucking lutely baller guardians make their own fate right like very bungee guardians make their own fate they bet heavy on themselves they were like fuck that i'm not taking a dive they walked in walked up to the tank up to the counter and said i'm putting it all on red boom and dropped a thick wad of cash on themselves and that's exactly what they did uh, and it's paying off right now so from that aspect, I would say best business decision of 2019 so far goes to fucking respawn. No, absolutely. It's uh, I mean, they, they read the market perfectly because, I mean, he had described exactly what people would think if they came out with this thing and marketed it. And I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd say the exact same thing. Like, OK, Battle Royale, loot boxes, EA, it's going to be shit. And, you know, it, that's probably what the perception would have been. And they they were just super confident and they were just like, Nope, it's good to go. Here you go. Have fun. You know? And, and for the most part, it, it, it's very good. And it, it takes a lot of confidence. I think to, like you said, walk up and, and slap it all on red and go, yep, that's what it is. You know, it's, you know, hopefully it sticks. And it, it certainly has, I think God, in the first week it had up to 25 million concurrent players, which is just insane. That's like ridiculous for a, a brand new game. Like it's, it's really, really good. Um, and it's good to see that they were able to to be successful with that because it is a well constructed game. You know, people like to throw around, "Oh, Battle Royale is a cash grab," and it's like cash grabs are only bad when the game sucks. If the game is good and it makes a ton of money, then you got a good game that makes a lot of money. Um, and I think it's what they have right here, and it's it's, it's a very good thing. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's it's pretty baller. So again, kind of top line messages. I, I would 100% recommend everybody give this game a, sh- game a shot. It is free to play. It is maybe the best polished free to play game at launch that I, I think I, I can in any way, shape, or form recall or, or note. Uh, remember when I said at launch, there's a lot of free to play games that do well, particularly over time. Um, you know, particularly if they're really like Warframe is a great example. Free to play game does real well. World of Tanks free to play game does real well. Fortnite, obviously. But those games at launch weren't this. At launch, this game is power hitting up front. That's really tough even for like paid $60 games. So hats off to them. Uh, and, and, I, and you can absolutely see the path ahead of, hey, adding more legends, you know, more heroes that do different things. They can like continue to work on the map. They can, they're going to have seasonal stuff. They've already kind of talked through some of that stuff. Got how Fortnite changes the map with seasons. We've talked through a little bit of that. So I think this game's probably here to stay. I do not get the impression it's a flash in the pan, like some games 
you know, can tend to be. Uh, there's the game's too good, and there's too big of an audience for it. I, I think this was going to be here to stay. Uh, and respawn, what they've effectively done, they've set up a money printing machine that will support their ability to make other games. Notice what I just said. So if respawn ever figures out that they want to take the boot of the man off their neck, aka EA. This might be an interesting way to do that, depending on what their, the business relationship between EA and Respawn is in regards to this IP. Uh, so I think this is a, this, this could have echoed down the road. And I don't want to read too much into it, but you can see like a kind of a pathway where this, this is only going to be good for Respawn, Respawn games in the future, or we'll certainly give them some creative flexibility. Uh, so I think, I think we wrapped up on, uh, on Apex. Um, I find it interesting that Apex comes out. It is very much, if you took Overwatch and put it in a Battle Royale mode and then did it, up, did it upright, at the same time that Blizzard is getting eaten alive by its own parent organization. Uh, and we didn't get Titanfall 3, but it's all okay. But this is like the Apex Blizzard fall right now going on. It's hilarious. Uh, so overall, great game. Take a look at it. Free to play. Can't really miss with that. And I think we should transition over to Division 2, a.k.a. the game I'm probably still not going to play. Yeah. Okay. So, if you asked me last week before I played the Division 2 beta, I would tell you that, because the comparison is going to be made, okay, Anthem and Division 2. And, and honestly, it, it's, it's down to I'm going to probably pick one of them and play them and not the other. If you asked me last week, I would have said... I feel I mean, Anthem's not bad. I could probably play it and have fun, but I'm a little more uh, hopeful for Division 2 just based off of some of the stuff I hear them talking about. I will say the TLDR is that after playing the Division 2 beta, it has sunken down to be about even with Anthem in terms of my excitement levels. Um, it's, it's a lot of improvements but it also has a lot of the same issues the first game never really got away from. So, uh, start with the good stuff, I guess. So, the guns feel pretty good. The movement is great. I still think Division has the best cover shooter mechanics in any game I've seen. Like, the whole cover-to-cover movement is so smooth and intuitive and easy to use. Um, that's always been the case. It's still there. Uh the, the movement's like a little less, I won't say twitchy because that's not accurate, but I would say that it, it feels a little more realistic than it did in Division 1. Division 1, you could do some weird stuff that could let you like do some Jedi-level dodging, you know, blaster shot bullshit. That seems to be gone for the most part. Um, it's not noticeable, like, unless you're kind of looking for it, but it feels good, so that's good. Um, I will say that on... Lower tier difficulty, the enemies feel like they die reasonably quick. Um, the, the bullet sponginess isn't really there, particularly on single player. It feels pretty good. And uh, from what I can tell, the way that they're setting up a lot of their gear and bonuses and that sort of thing is much more conservative. I, if you were all familiar with the first game, you, you understood how absolutely ridiculous the power scaling got where it was like 
you know, if you didn't have these particular bonuses on, you know, your attachments for your gun, it was a difference of doing like a hundred DPS or a thousand DPS. Like it, it just got got insane. And I actually remember at one point, Jay, you were doing one of the, I forget what they're called, but they're little four man raid things. And we're like hiding for our lives in this like uh, little, little uh, tunnel thing. And you're like, I have no idea how you're doing that much damage with your gun because of not getting the right stuff. You know, it was just, it was terrible. Um, they've brought that down to be much more realistic in terms of like, you've got types of guns. Each gun has certain attachments it can unlock. And the attachments are not like random drops. They're just like things you unlock and can put on the gun. So each gun has a finite number of specific attachments with specific stats on it. Meaning that it's kind of more of a curated, like here's the absolute max DPS you can do if you pick the other right attachments, but it's not this roll 30,000 different foregrips until you get the right one with, you know, reload speed and, and, you know, fire rate. It's, it's much more uh, conservative and curated. I think that's probably for the best because I, unfortunately, because the scaling in division one, the power level got so out of control that the enemies also had to be boosted to insane levels where if you didn't have the perfect role of stuff, you would just get obliterated um, by like insane levels of scaling. And that also completely broke PVP where you'd have one guy who could literally soak up the damage from four people all shooting at him and, and just, you know, kill all of them by himself because of the way you could abuse some of these mechanics in the, in the scaling of the stats. So that's all kind of been brought down to, you know, more realistic levels. And it's, you're not going to have as much variation in things that will drop, but it does guarantee that the power creep isn't as bad as it was in division one. I think overall that is a positive thing. My only fear there is that it's going to go kind of the route of like destiny Two vanilla where they meant to bring the power kind of into a more conservative um, you know, focus and it went a little too far and it felt bland. Um, I wasn't really getting that feeling, but from the beta, it's hard to get a feel for it. You know, the progression really isn't there, so it's hard to see how it's going to kind of progress as you go through the game. So that's kind of up in the air. Um, what else was good? Uh, I, I feel like the way they set up skills and perks is a little more interesting um your skills are kind of your gadgets right and each uh there's eight of them total and like that kind of acts as like the base framework for how the skill works and then there's different variations of that so for example there's like a like a little quadcopter drone and there's like a variant where it's got like a little machine gun on it one's got like a little healing beam that can repair your your allies armor and stuff like that so it kind of allows each each group to have its own little different subsets of, of how you want it to go. In Division 1 wasn't um, too far from that, but I feel like there's more variety in Division 2. Cool. Um, also, there are uh, specializations, which are basically once you get to max level, you unlock a specialization. Currently, there are three. I think I have heard they're adding three more at a later time. Um, but basically what that means is you get um, a special weapon, which... I would equate to basically like a heavy weapon in Destiny. It's it's meant to be like a super powerful, not a lot of ammo, but when you use it, it's got a really strong effect. Um, and with that kind of comes this, this class associated with it. And that class allows you to use special higher tiered versions of um, 
some of the the skills. So, like for example, the uh, demolitionist, which is your special weapon is a grenade launcher, like a drum a drum fed grenade launcher, and you unlock the artillery variant of the deployable turret. Cool. This all sounds really cool. Um, and that's why I was really excited for it. It sounded like a lot of really really good stuff. Um, now, the problems I think started to kind of pop up initially in uh, just the, the, the basic playthrough because there's the, the beta was divided up into two sections. Basically, you got like a, the opening section of the game where you played through kind of the opening sequence, get to the home base, it kind of shows around the home base, gives you a little bit of story, and then you do like two story missions. Once you complete those story missions, it unlocks like end game characters. And then you can basically go in with a super maxed out level character with a specialization, um, like all these exotic gears or high end gear, whatever they call it. And it kind of shows you what an end game build looks like with synergizing gear and all this sort of thing. Um, so the first half, kind of a beginning half, um, like I said, it felt it felt pretty good, but it became pretty apparent that, and I was playing on console, and, and you can say what you will, but I'm playing on PS4 Pro. The game has got some serious performance issues. Um, like the frame rate was was pretty solid, but texture popping, holy shit! Like really, really bad texture popping. Um, and like on a PS4 Pro, I would expect it to not do that so much. But it was it was really bad. I mean, I'd walk into like a settlement and it looked like watercolor paint all over the place, and then it would suddenly pop and it would be you know oh that's a brick wall. Um, it was really bad. Uh, there's also a lot of visual glitches. Like just for an example, there's like a door you you push open and it's like a um, it's like a door with like glass panes in it. So you swing the door open. Well the wooden part of the door swings open, but the glass remained floating in the air. Like it wasn't attached to that portion of the model. Um, and you could walk through it, but it would block bullets. And it, it wasn't affecting the gameplay because it was at the end of the mission and, and whatever I was exiting the area, but it just kind of throws the immersion off, right? Like when you swing a door open, the glass just kind of floats there, you know, like, like magic. Um, that sort of thing. It wasn't anything game-breaking, but it was just kind of like, ugh, I was kind of hoping this would be a little more polished than this since we're, you know, we're, we're still like three weeks out from the game launch, but still, like, you know, you'd expect it to be a little bit better shape. Um, so there was that, and then there was a lot of connection issues. Uh, we had a really hard time trying to get our fourth our fourth person in. Um, I, I kind of forgive connection issues in a stress test beta because that's that's kind of the point is that you're, you're testing the, the networking. Um, but that was also a, a difficulty. But I think the, the most glaring part that I disliked about the uh, <laughs> about the, the, the beta was in the high-end gameplay. And so what they were showcasing is a mechanic and I think it's called invasion. And basically what it happens is it's kind of, and Jay, you might be kind of familiar. It's kind of like when you've got like a strike mission in destiny, but the enemy's type is sometimes different. Um, so imagine like you've got your, your high end mission, but sometimes it's going to spawn like an invasion mission. And what that means is that a different faction will kind of invade that space. And so you go through a slightly different version of the strike, but the enemies are like, way 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 harder okay cool that sounds cool i was kind of excited for it um the problem is is that it got 
really, really bad with the bullet sponginess, especially with four people with the, the HP scaling up. Division two is tried to alleviate that that broken immersion by saying, okay, well, characters and enemies have body armor and you have to break the body armor and then once the body armor breaks they pretty much die instantly um which sounds like it, it's an attempt to make it more realistic they, they kind of have to lengthen that time to kill to make the rpg elements work um so I, I understand the intent and that's why in the lower end gameplay it was it was fine but in the high end gameplay you got like a yellow bar enemy he comes out with his body armor and honest to God, all four of us are shooting at him, and I've got like an LMG, like an M60, with 100 rounds in it, and I empty the magazine into this guy's chest, and the armor still hasn't broken. So he's just sitting there, just screaming and shooting and throwing shit all over the place, and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, this is the kind of problem that, that Division One had, and, and what they've really just done is said, okay, well, instead of health, it's armor and you're still having to kind of really churn through these enemies and and keep in mind this is like a curated character where they've like tuned with all kinds of you know decked out high-end gear and it's meant to synergize together with damage bonuses and stuff so like it wasn't even like my character was set up poorly um like with a top like maxed out character these enemies were just like soaking up the damage like really really badly um and that and I know that's that's one of the main problems you have with the J. Um, and it, it, I, I don't like it. It was for, I tried to forgive it, but I was expecting it to be a lot better than it was. And it really just felt just as bad. And nothing is worse than emptying 100 LMG rounds into a guy's chest and wondering if you actually hurt him or not. And that's kind of the feel I was getting for it. Um, another issue is that if that faction is like the endgame faction, there's some really obnoxious AI behaviors. Like... Okay, so they've got they, they they send out gadgets too, but I I want you to imagine like a suicide quadcopter drone that rushes you and explodes, but they're gonna fire like fifteen of them off in a row, and you're just spending your whole time shooting them out of the air um, because you can't actually hit the guy who's launching them hidden in the back of a parking garage. I was like, holy shit, just stop using that fucking ability. It was it was really obnoxious. Um, and, and that was that was turning me off. And then you started to, to some of the, the specialty, the, the, like the higher tier specialty skills really started to kind of show some core design problems. Like in Division One, most of the abilities are you like activated it and it would either kind of prime an ability like the little seeker drone would just kind of, you know, a little ball would like follow you around and then when it detected an enemy, it would run up and blow up. Or you would like throw something on the ground and it would it would it would have an effect, like a like a medic heal area or um, an assault turret that would that would shoot enemies. Those are still in the game. Like don't don't get me wrong, those exist. But the problem is is that like I wanna say like maybe half of the abilities that were available in the beta are active use. And what I mean by that, and I'll, I'll use the demolitionist's um, artillery turret as an example. So it, it's it's the same little like briefcase thing you throw out like the assault like turret, but you throw it out, and basically what you have to do is manually aim this little cursor on the ground around the area, and when you pull the trigger, the artillery turret will then fire fire like a little mortar shell in that direction, and it will blow up and do damage. Um, the problem is is that 
you have to account for aiming the thing, firing the thing, and the time and angle it takes to get there to hit something. And I understand that probably the intent is that it's meant to flush enemies out from behind cover, but it almost never worked out that way. And I found myself firing off my limited supply of, of mortar shells and basically just whiffing it every single time. Um, and I finally like just stopped using it because it was faster just to shoot the guy with the gun with my gun than it was to use the ability. And then there was also kind of an overly situational aspect to a lot of them. Like for example, I've got the mortar turret and I'm in a parking garage. Well, if the turret detects that the arc of the mortar is going to hit something before it gets to the target, it just won't fire. So if you're understanding how a mortar works, it has to kind of arc a shell, you know, in like a parabolic arc through the air and you'll hit the ground. The problem is that it keeps clipping into the ceiling of a parking garage. So the only thing I could actually shoot with it had to be like five feet in front of me to keep the arc small enough so it wouldn't hit the ceiling. Um, and it was just obnoxious. And I was just getting pissed off at it and just stopped using it entirely, um, which is a real turnoff when you're talking about kind of like the core part of this type of game is the skills and abilities. And I don't want to use half of them because they're too difficult or too situational or just not effective enough to actually be useful. Um, and it was, it was really disappointing. So it's like, okay, the, the stat stuff, is good like they, they're kind of bringing it in you know hopefully it's not too far but I, I like the thought process there um i like what they're doing with every piece of armor is kind of part of a set so you get like set bonuses for matching manufacturers they kind of have preset bonuses cool i like that the gunplay feels good nice the pvp i didn't try the pvp but a lot of what they were talking about sounds appealing Probably not something I'd, I'd dive into still because that's just not my jam for 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 division. But it's it's supposedly improved. But like a lot of the skills are difficult or are to use or not enjoyable to use. The enemies are still super bullet spongy, um, and you've still got a lot of really obnoxious enemy behaviors. You know, just like spamming of stuff you know, over and over again. And like, yeah, they could probably patch some of this stuff in you know, fix on the enemy behavior, but like the bullet sponginess, like their whole thing with division two is no more bullet sponges. So it's almost like they think they've solved it, but the problem's still there, which is really discouraging because that that's a big problem. And if they think that what they've done is a fix, it's not appealing. It's, it's not satisfying to play. Um, so I guess the question is, is it fun? Well, yeah, it was it was it was pretty fun, but it still had a lot of kind of those annoyances that you just kind of put up with in Division One. So it kind of comes back to the question of like, do I want to buy this game? Um, and it, and I, I think it again, like I said, kind of for me between Anthem and Division, I feel like Anthem is better designed overall. Visually, it's probably more appealing. It's got no, but I won't cut the performance on both of them wasn't exactly impressive, but visually Anthem is better. I think the design of the mechanics is better, but there's that risk factor of EA. It's a new IP. You don't know what you're going to get. It could go to shit and the end game looks kind of lackluster. Um, Division is a safer bet. You know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get Division 2 and you, you kind of know generally what that's going to look like. Um, 
but the design doesn't feel as as solid. It feels like it's they, they had some ideas they were trying to experiment with. Some hit, some missed. Um, does that make it a bad game? Absolutely not. Does it make it an amazing game that's a direct improvement over Division One? Uh, kinda, but not as much as you would hope. So, you know, do you go with the better design, riskier, you know, EA title, or do you go with what you know you're going to be getting, but it's not probably as good as you were hoping with the Division Two? Um, I'm kind of undecided. I might make my brother decide for me, so I can blame him for it and not have to feel bad about it if I get it wrong. But uh, yeah, I'm like honestly split down the middle 50-50 on both of them right now, and and the beta did not do anything to improve my opinion division two it just brought it down to being about in line with anthem which was eh, yeah i could play it so that's my take on it livy did you have anything you wanted to add no i I think you covered it all with my my 20 minute rant yes (laughs) so yeah um those are my thoughts on it i I guess i'm not sure what i'm gonna get i've got time um on both of them but uh we'll have to see what people think of it once it comes out. I, I probably will not pre-order either of them, regardless of what I pick. Just kind of give it a little time, let people get to the end game, because that's usually the the deal um, that makes or breaks this type of live service game. So we'll, we'll have to see how they both do it and go from there. Okay, so that's my thoughts on uh, Division 2. Is there anything else you guys wanted to cover before we kind of wrap this one up? Nothing, I'm good. Oh. Uh, I think that was a really good breakdown of, of, of Division. I think, you know, as we said earlier, not all games are for you. It doesn't mean it's going to be a bad game. I I think the biggest difference, uh, based on what you're describing, I don't think I'm going to be able to overcome as a player just the dissonance of the, the grounded, gritty, real world and the uh, legendary exotic sweatshirt. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no. No caliber can penetrate. Yeah, I mean, they, you can tell they tried. To, 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 they tried, but it just it still isn't there. Um, and they just they have a hard time with it. So, anyways. Um, all right, you guys ready for shout-outs then? Let's do this. Okay, so my shout-out is going to go to um, DMX, the rapper. Um, which is, I know, like, Jay's falling out of his chair right now in confusion. So, explanation. And this is a slight spoiler for Resident Evil 2 Remake. So, there is an enemy in the game called Mr. X. And he's basically this like seven and a half foot tall football player in a trench coat and like a bowler hat. And his job is to literally just stalk you constantly. Um, Like you cannot get away from him in most cases and you cannot kill him. So you're, you're always having to keep moving and he's really good at flanking you and getting in front of you when you aren't expecting it. Um, so you'll very often come through a door and he'll be swinging at you trying to take your head off. Um, well, his name, his name is Mr. X. And so there's a song that if you've seen like some of the Deadpool promotional material, there's a song called X Gonna Give It To You um, by DMX. And so there's been a meme going online of, of basically people playing Resident Evil um, and freaking out because Mr. X is terrifying. Um, but then they, they, they overlay this song on top of it at really hilarious moments. Um, and it is, it is a real treat because people's reaction and then with the music is, is great. It's gotten so good that someone has now modded the PC version of Resident Evil 2 so that when he gets close, instead of playing the normal music, you just start hearing the song playing and then he comes plowing through a wall at you. Um, 
and gives it to you. So shout out goes to DMX and Mr. X for, for being my favorite video game meme of the year so far. Darn, that was my shout out, the mod part of it. I guess it's ah. everything. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's a good one though. So yeah, well, I'll, I'll find a good compilation and throw it in there. Um, like I said, it'll be some spoilers for the game if you watch it, but you know, I, I wouldn't play Resident Evil for the story, so I wouldn't worry too much about <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> they all die. Yeah. All right. And Jay, you're up. Uh, let's see. Shout out, shout out, shout out, shout out. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Respawn, man. That's like baller move with a uh, no advertising advertising, and they made a great game. I, I am... I am actually now, so here's the interesting thing. Even though BR, this won't be a, like a go-to game for me at all times. It'll be something I just, I, I just enjoy playing periodically with friends. What it really makes me interested for is, what is their Star Wars game going to look like? That really makes me interested in that. So, hats off right now to Respawn. Well played, boys. All right, good stuff. And that is our show, folks. Uh, as always, if you want to be on the show or have any topics you want us to cover, head over to biomass.com. Let us know. But that being said, hope you have a good week, and we'll see you next time. X go give it to you. Wait for you to get it on your own. X go deliver to you. Knock, knock, open up the door to spill. With the nonstop pop out and stainless steel.